I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today's episode is entitled, Sell or Be Sold. In today's episode, I'm going to cover with you why no matter what capacity of life you're in, you are either selling or being sold and why it's important to honor the sanctity of salesmanship. So around the office, it's been incredibly busy and a good busy with the one of seven, you know, offering some personal development coaching with going down this path of opening up that part of my life to you guys, the listeners. It's important for me to spend the time, energy, and effort really focusing in on that. And so for that, here it is a Wednesday, and I've had at least five calls a day, at least an hour apiece, of interviewing and, and walking through a process to see if you if it made sense for you to be one of the one of seven. And the conversation has been phenomenal. I've got to know many of you as listeners. I've got to know trials and tribulations in your life. I've got to know ways and means of me impacting you. That's phenomenal. And oddly enough, this episode is not about me selling you. It would have been way too easy. Admittedly, in this coaching, development, mentorship space, if I have to sell what it is that I'm able to do, it really is not a good fit to have you be a part of it. But in this, I've been consumed with time every day. You know, Not only do I have my current clients that I'm helping, not only do I have small groups that I'm helping, not only do I have larger groups that I'm helping, a CBD company to run, stuff to do, but then I'm also spending five hours a day interviewing potential new clients. Truly a blessing. But in that, I take a small reprieve yesterday, and I'm scrolling through social media. Like I leave myself this little window from 1 o'clock till 2.15, 2.30 to either record podcasts to re-energize myself just to focus on me. It's my blockout window. And in that, I've also limited my screen usage on my phone to really pull back the amount I can use any social media platform. It helps me being much, much more productive. So there, for those of you that might not know, if you have the new operating system inside your Apple phone, there's something called screen time. And you can dictate how apps work to benefit you. Instead of me, I was admittedly feeling held captive to like how much during my day am I distracted, like scrolling through social media, commenting, liking, you know, posting stuff. That Sure, it has value. I'm adding value to the marketplace. But ultimately, it's not really serving me. It's not helping me become a better version of me. So I put the screen block on. But I have to have this little window yesterday. And I'm like, man, I'm going to burn some of my time. And what's crazy is my time, I have it set at an hour. And I know you're thinking like an hour. Jesus, that's a lot of time. I encourage you to try it for one day. Put a screen lock on. Put it for an hour and see how quickly, like the little three, four, five minutes that you think you're using it, that end up being like 12 to 14, that by noon, most of the time, your screen time's already shot. So in that, I'm going to use this little increment of time. And I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I see a post. And this post, now that I can process it and I've kind of walked the block with it by using that stack that I talk about, I realized just how triggered I was by this post. That in itself is a rarity for me. I normally don't feel fired up about much of anything on social media. It's kind of neutral for me. Like It doesn't impact me. It doesn't affect me. I just roll with it. And I've encouraged you through other episodes I think the episode was like, don't be soap, where you know soap doesn't bother you, so why should social media? So I fell victim to it yesterday. Like this game that I play, this optimized life that I live is still not perfect. Like chasing perfection is foolish. It's never going to happen. So in that, I'm, I'm scrolling through social media, and I see this post about a guy I have respect for. 
It's from a guy I have respect for. An entrepreneur, very successful in his own right. You know, from all estimations, you know, somewhere between a half million and a million dollar earner, him and his wife, with abundance. You know, and massive abundance, at least from the outside, the appearance side of things. Cars and vacation homes and traveling and financial advisors and, and wealth. And in this post, this gentleman is sharing, you know, how proud he is of wearing out a car salesman. And the post, and I, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't have my phone with me, I don't even know the post is still up or live. But in this, I, I see something along the lines of like, no, Mr. Salesman, you're never going to sell me. You and your powerful manager are never going to get going to get me to say yes. So much so that you can't sell me. I'll never be sold. The deal is only going to be had on my terms. And then once I get the deal on my terms, yes, I'm going to make you throw in floor mats. Yes, I'm going to make you throw in a tonneau cover. Yes, I'm going to make you throw in service. Or I'll take my business elsewhere. And I read this. And I'm fucking triggered. Like something inside me just goes off. Because I truly look at it in this capacity that here is this man that's created abundance for himself and his family. Through hard work, dedication, determination, I'm not belittling what he's taken away or how he's made his fortune. But in this, I'm like, all right, here's here's this message that this guy that has massive influence is putting out into the world that it's okay to beat up and wear out a car salesman. Now, granted, I have some cognitive, almost dissonance based on this, from the fact that I was in automotive sales. So I, I, a cognitive bias, rather. I know that I am seeing it through the lens of my life that I was once in the salesman's shoes or a manager or a general sales manager. Like I've, I've had enough different roles in that capacity that I feel I have empathy for the man that is going through this on the other side. And then I really start thinking, like, why is this bothering me so much? And it's bothering me because here's this man that's got all this wealth and abundance and success pretty large, if not what I would call massive social influence, that is deciding in the moment to use this platform to encourage people to grind and nickel and dime and wear out a salesman. I'm like, that's just wrong. And then as I'm scrolling through the comments, like I'm, I'm starting to type my comment, I'm like, okay, before I type something that it's going to get me in trouble, let me read what other people are saying. And it's everything from like, you know, I need you to come with me to buy my next car to, gosh, where, what type of car are you buying? Come to find out, this individual with, again, wealth and abundance is buying a mass-produced car. And I say mass-produced, like a Honda, Toyota, GMC. If it's not a luxury automobile, automobile if it's not something that's, you know, ultra-limited edition Ferrari, Lamborghini, Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Maserati, in theory, they are all over the place and some sort of the same, especially from a new car perspective. And so to think of the fact that this individual is so proud of himself that he has worn out the dealerships locally or maybe just passed them over is going to elicit a dealership that's two and a half hours away to save himself money and then to negotiate back and forth over the phone to the point that he's proud of himself that he's going to get this dealership to throw in a bunch of extra stuff or he's going to walk away from the deal is just crazy to me. And it's crazy to me because think about that. Like I equate everything in some capacity. What is my hour worth? Okay, let's let's make this up. And again, I don't have a calculator with me or pen and paper. So if my math is wrong, I'm sure you'll message me or tell me it's wrong. Let's say the guy's making a million dollars a year. 
and let's say he only wants to work 50 weeks a year, right? Not bad. That's $20,000 a week is what he would make. That's a million dollars. So on a $20,000 week, let's say he only wants to work 20 hours because he's successful, he's self-employed, he doesn't have to work the whole time. So his time is worth $1,000 per hour. But yet he's going to buy a car two hours away. So he either has to drive there and back, which is four hours of time, or he has to have it delivered and either wear the dealership down and get them to throw it in for free, another thing that is a concession, or he's got to come up with some way to go get the car. Okay, so even at its base level, that makes no sense. But let's assume I'm three times as inflated as I should be, and this time's only, quote unquote, only worth $300 an hour. Okay, so great, you're still round trip, that would be 1200 bucks. Not to mention, most likely, the two hours of time that has been spent negotiating back and forth. Two hours of wearing a dealership down to get the absolute best possible price, in addition to two hours each direction or four hours round trip, now you're six hours at 300 bucks an hour. That's 1800 bucks. Plus the mental anguish, plus the fact of a dealership that ultimately is not happy, plus you're not ultimately happy because you don't feel like you won. And I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, as, a, as someone that was inside the automotive world, Everybody assumes there's like hundreds of thousands of dollars of markup in a $40,000 car. I have news for you. I have, I have this insider secret I want to share with you. The majority of new cars in the country have somewhere between 10 and 12% total profit margin. That if you walked in and paid the dealership sticker and they made sure that they did a great job and they got what's called CSI, Customer S Service Index, that it was 100% on your survey and that their facility was up to date and their customer service or you know their their service facility was clicking on all cylinders maybe they make 12%. Now out of that 12%, the salesman, the guy that has to go through the delivery process, gather your paperwork, build value, build rapport, if he's lucky in a new car franchise, he gets paid 20% of that. So he gets 800 bucks. You say, "Well, 800 bucks for selling a car, that's that's great." Sure, but it it's not ever 20% of the total profit. It's 20% of a portion, portion of the profit, maybe 25%. So he might get paid on $2,000 out of the $4,200 of markup, $4,000 of markup. So on that percentage, maybe he gets 500 bucks on the new car. And you're still like, man, that's 500 bucks though. He didn't have to do anything. We had him to go back and forth and negotiate with you for two hours. He had to make sure the car was cleaned up, ready for delivery. He had to walk you and make sure you're happy in service, you know, introducing you to somebody from service. He had to make sure you're happy in the finance office. He had to get done with you, you know, make sure you're through that process. Also then deliver the car, make sure you know how it works, and then also follow up with you to make sure you fill out a survey. All-encompassing, he's probably six hours a time. Total. That's if nothing goes wrong. So the 500 bucks he makes on six hours of work, I'm going to make it easy and just say it's five hours of work. He makes 100 bucks an hour versus your 300 bucks an hour. And the only reason that this individual is able to buy this car is because he understood what profit really meant and that it's not a dirty word. Think about it. Here's somebody going to negotiate on buying a new car that is a half million to million dollar earner that's only gotten to that place because 
he produces at a high level, and someone else affords him the luxury of making money. But yet when it comes to the automotive world, something I have a soft spot for, fully realize that, we all take great pride in how much we can beat up the salesperson. What type of great deal we got. When's the last time you went to the doctor and sat there and negotiated for two and a half hours before you had a procedure? Would you want the cheapest priced doctor? Would you want the least expensive plastic surgeon? What about the least expensive dentist? What about the least expensive meal? The cheapest place you can go to eat. There's a reason why the majority of you listening don't go to McDonald's for the dollar menu if you're given the opportunity. If all things were equal and you could afford to go get a nice filet somewhere, the majority of us would take the nice filet over a double cheeseburger from McDonald's. So why is it that we think it's okay to beat up salespeople in certain industries? Like it's a, it's a badge of honor. It's a sign of pride. Like I got this great deal on this. Whatever this is to you. Especially as it pertains to the automotive world. Like here, everybody's just trying to make a living. There's a value proposition to make sure nobody wants to feel like someone came in later and got a better deal than them, right? I mean, a good deal is a perception. It's something that's baked into your mind. I got a good deal because... Well, what if it's someone that's going out and buying any retail product, whether it's jeans that you're wearing around or a car that you drive around or even a house that you buy? What if you reframe the way that you looked at that and say that it was almost energetically your job and your mission to pass forward your good fortune, to help someone less fortunate? And maybe not less fortunate in the way that we look at poverty, but if you're in a position to go buy a forty dollars or $50,000 car, there's a chance that the salesperson's not in that same position. So why sit there and make the process miserable or frustrating for both parties involved? Why not just take a step back and look at it more objectively and say, look, I'm going to ne- negotiate a fair deal. The dealership needs to make profit. I don't want to piss back and forth more than an hour. I'm going to be kind and courteous to this person. I know that everything I attach to the deal has some sort of value where the dealership makes less money. That if I, especially when it comes to buying a car, if I nickel and dime this dealership to death, when I come in for service, am I going to get better or worse service? And in this situation, with the dealership being two and a half hours away, inevitably, this individual is not going to service the car two and a half hours away. So all of a sudden, now he's got no loyalty to any brand, any dealership, any anything. Like, loyalty is completely dead. What, the, what do you think happens when you come in for service at a dealership where you didn't buy the car? Well, they should be grateful to have your money, right? Like, that's what we all think. What if it was the fact that you should be grateful that you're part of something that matters? Like that you spent your hard-earned energy, time, and effort with someone that you value the relationship with. Where all of a sudden now you care about him, the salesperson, or her, their family, their lives. That you understand the fact that you're willing to pay for good service. Like think about this at a restaurant. We go to this nice steakhouse, right? And the steakhouse, the water glass that's on your table, every time you set it down, it gets filled up. And the steak that comes out of, as long as it's cooked how you want it to be, and the service is on point, and the waiter was or waitress was friendly, I typically tip 20 to 25%. Right? I mean, that's just kind of normal. Like, I just give that over because I'm excited about the good service. But when it comes to a car salesman or car dealership, They could knock your socks off, do the best feature advantage benefit walk around on a car, make sure the car is impeccably clean, that the showroom's spotless. The the person selling you the car could know more about the car than anybody else you've ever imagined. 
be passionate about his products, be well presented, be spotless in appearance, smell good, speak articulately, all the things that would go into a good buying experience. Beyond when it comes to negotiate, you'd be damned to ever let him make 20%. You just wouldn't do it, right? Because again, it's a side of sign of honor. It's this privilege that I got the best deal. The best deal is truly nothing more than the state of mind. And that state of mind you ultimately control. So what's a frustration and mental anguish worth to not get the deal done more quickly? To sit down and say, look, I know you have 10% profit margin. I can look online and see that you have $5,000 worth of rebates. So let's let's do something fair. Let me, let me have a 50-50 split or a 60-40 weighted to my side on the $4,000 of profit. Give me the rebate or incentive that's on top of it. Be competitive with my finance rate. I'm okay if you make a couple bucks. It doesn't really matter because I don't keep cars until full term. So I'm never going to pay off the loan. I'm always going to just keep trading them in and out. So I don't care if you make some points financing the car. And then all of a sudden, the deal becomes much more enjoyable where you got to perceive positive state of mind. You saved in this hypothetical situation that's not so hypothetical. The six hours round trip and the two or four hours round trip, the two hours of negotiating, the hour in the dealership, when you consolidate all that down and all of a sudden you spent 15 minutes negotiating, you spend two hours each way and that's it. Now you're saving yourself an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes at 500 bucks an hour. So you saved a thousand bucks there. Do you care if you pay an extra 500 bucks for the car? Do you feel like you're really lost? Again, I fully realize I'm coming to you with this based off the fact of being frustrated at this post. But in this, I type essentially exactly what I just said. Type it all. And in it, I'm aggressive. I say, look, you know, everything I just said on the microphone, you make a good living. Why not allow somebody else to make a good living? Is it really worth the time, energy, and effort? What's your time actually worth? Why would you want to have a less than pleasant experience for everybody involved? Like pay it forward, live in abundance. You have made and amassed a wealth and fortune for yourself, not by being frivolous with your cash. I get that. But you're certainly not going to nickel and dime everything to death at this point. And I post it. Well, then, you know, throughout the day, actually last evening, I'm, I'm home waiting for John and Lindsay to get home, laying in bed and doing some work real quick. And I scroll through Facebook again, you know, use my last five minutes of the day. And in that, the post comes up. Some other people commented on it that I'm friends with. And it's back to the top. And I expand the post and I look to see, you know, it's strange. I didn't get any not- notifications on this post. Well, I didn't get any notifications because the individual took down what I said. I mean, think about that. I give an opposing viewpoint, and I respect him for taking it down. This is not calling anybody out. But he takes it down. It's like, all right, if you're going to take something down, could it be potentially implied that there's some negative emotion around the fact that I might be actually telling the truth, that I presented an alternative view that rattles the cages enough that it feels uncomfortable that now we take down a post? And maybe it was the fact it never posted itself. There's a chance that maybe I didn't really press post. Maybe I didn't have internet connectivity. Maybe it was a slip on his side that he took it down. Or maybe he just doesn't want any negativity in his circle. I get all those things, truly. What I don't get is the consistent need for all of us to make certain that we get the best possible deal on material retail products. Shift your mindset and understand that everybody's trying to better their lives. And so this salesman that you're going to beat up because it feels good to win still has a family to go home to. Still probably has kids that need food. 
Maybe he doesn't have any of those. Maybe he's a young single guy, but he's still trying to make it in the world. And this is the profession that he either chose or that he was forced into. In this not imaginary but hypothetical situation, does the 600 or 700 bucks that you quote unquote left on the table, does that make it so you can't live the rest of your life? Especially if you're financing the car over a 60-month term, which equates to about another $10 a month in payment, maybe 12 if you have less than perfect credit. Does that 12 bucks a month, knowing that you trade in cars every year, so does the extra, I'm going to round up, $150 matter to you that much that you couldn't just sit back, enjoy the experience, and make sure the salesperson had a chance? And it got me thinking, where else in my life had I nickel and dime to make sure I got the best deal possible? And there were a lot of places. Like Some of the anger that I'm having in this situation, some of the frustration, some of these triggering events are happening because I'm mad at myself. Which really, if we look at most things that trigger us, most things that piss us off, it's because we ourselves have established that same sort of bias in our own decisions elsewhere. Like when I bought houses before, I want the absolute best deal. You know, I'll shop and shop and shop around for the the least expensive thing. Like Amazon's the biggest culprit. Like, okay, I won't drive across the street to the photography center that sells cameras because it's $100 more expensive there. I'll hop on Amazon and buy it and wait two days. That's ridiculous. The local shop needs the 100 bucks. Like, what's the $100? Energetically, it's paying it forward. It's letting it release. And by letting it release, it comes back twofold. This happens all the time in my life. And until this post and until I stack about it and walk the block and figure out the blessing in it, I realize that I have done it a bunch of times myself. And in doing it a bunch of times myself, I realize I have to stop. That also ultimately begs the question, where in your life right now are you focusing on the details that make this process itself miserable? Maybe it's in a relationship, right? Maybe your partner doesn't have the perfect insert here. Doesn't have the perfect body right now. But it's great everywhere else. You you poke and you poke and you poke about going to the gym or eating better or whatever the things are instead of just being present in the moment and enjoying what there is to enjoy. Maybe it's not the body. Maybe it's in the business that you work at that you're so focused on all the things that aren't right, all the things that you know the company could do better, that you forget the blessing of the fact that you actually have a job and that you're there in the moment. Maybe it's in your own body. You know, think about it. Maybe, maybe you're so focused on the fact that your bottom teeth aren't exactly straight that you miss all the magic of everything else that you have to offer someone. And in that, you're focused on the details that make the whole package less enjoyable. What I found is when you reposition the way that you look at the world and you energetically try to pay it forward and make everybody's life around you a little bit better, every day... You're able to get shit done.